Welcome to another Speak of the Devil presents a live satanic essay reading and discussion. Today I'm being joined by another Den Arden. How are you, man? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm still getting feedback, but we're going to work through this because most of the time I'm just going to be shutting up. Um, okay, so we're going to be talking about, or you're going to perform a reading of the essay, How to Become a Werewolf from the Devil's Notebook. Is there any way you could turn down your speakers a little bit? Sure. And still, and still hear me? I think that's what... I'm getting your mic super, super sensitive. Uh, we're going to be doing a reading from how the devil's notebook, which is an amazing uh, essay collection by the late Anton Zandor LeVay. Uh, on the other side of this, we're going to have the discussion part, hence the essay reading slash discussion. Okay, so these are normally for uh, patrons only. This particular episode is free because uh, for everyone, because why not? Let people know what they're missing and, you know, I don't know, have a little fun with uh, some people in chat if they want to get in chat. What do you think? Does that sound good? I feel so cheap. You're offering the thing I'm on for free. <laughs> You're on one of the paid ones. So don't <laughs> You're worth the money. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's why you're my best repeat customer. Uh, hello, Stephanie. Hi, Shona. Okay, let's get into this. Are you ready to read? I'm ready to read. Let's do it. This is a very long essay, though. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Uh, if you want to read the first bit and then do uh, synopsis of the different sections, that would be okay, too. All right. I'll read the whole thing. Why not? It's a great essay. That doesn't get a lot of attention. It's true. Right. So, how to become a werewolf, the fundamentals of lycanthropic metamorphosis, their principles and applications. Anyone is a potential werewolf. Under emotional stress, civilized human qualities regress to basic animal reaction, and a threshold of potential physical change is reached. Temperament. People who normally behave in a coarse and boorish manner would be thought to be bordering on an animal state, hence making a complete transition relatively effortless. This is a fallacy, for churls consider themselves as humans the highest and most noble form of life. They are almost animals, all of the time, so they dare not go over the brink, for that would be abhorrent. One who has only risen to the curbstone dares not return to the gutter. Only the highest man can change as his ego will allow him to go all the way. He knows he is circumspect and cultured the great parts of his life, so a transition to animalism can be entertained without compunction. Manifestations of this phenomenon are abundant. The most polished individuals become the most degraded when the proper opportunity presents itself. <laughs> there is no drunk quite so sloppy as a rich drunk. Analogies of such pol uh, polarities are endless. Drunk as a Lord, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Count Dracula, Jack London, etc. In virtually every literary stage or motion picture treatment, the lycanthrope is, in his normal state, depicted as a human of warmth, understanding, sensitivity, and intelligence. I'm going to move on to the next section. Mm -hmm. environment everyone has at some time or other wandered into an area of such foreboding that it is felt that someone or something is lurking in the shadows watching ready to spring and devour perhaps it was a deserted house perhaps a lonely path through the trees possibly an abandoned quarry in many cases it is known or discovered that such areas have witnessed deaths or of an unexpected or unusual nature, or perhaps mayhem, rape, or other violence. All actions involving intense or increased production of adrenaline on the part of either victim or perpetrator, lust, terror, aggression, defense, etc., is followed by 
judgments in the form of varying degrees of of shock, total submission, unconsciousness, death. The polarity that such an atmosphere has undergone can be likened to an area where heavy concentrations of electricity have accumulated and discharged repeatedly, thereby recycling the ionization of the atmosphere in a chaotic and disturbing manner. The initial charge and attraction of such an area proceeds from its spatial and geometric pattern. This can be likened to an existing feeding through to which animals come from the miles around and dine on the carcasses of their predecessors. If this appears far-fetched, consider a phenomenon common to children on Halloween or on any other night from the, where the setting is right. The child deliberately goes out expecting to be scared, succeeds in being scared, then considers how much fun it might be to scare others once he is purged of his fear needs. He, is, he then becomes a hunter, and the next child who comes along is his quarry. The entire phenomenon is akin to a recognized psychological manifestation of those who outwardly fear a situation while at the same time doing all in their power to encourage its occurrence. Preparation. This children's Halloween game give us the clue to the role change necessary in lycanthropic metamorphosis. Briefly, it is thus. Enter the area you know to be trauma producing with the fullest intention of being frightened. Allow yourself to be frightened. If necessary, wear artic articles of clothing conducive to the most submissive or vulnerable image. Accidentally, or accidental victims are always thus attired. Get the feel of the place as a victim, allowing yourself to be frightened as much as you can. If you can supplement your fear with a sexually stimulating feeling, so much the better. Allow yourself to virtually shake apart with fear and if possible, attain an orgasm by whatever means may be necessary for this will make your subsequent lycanthropic changeover easier. To metamorphosis. Attire yourself in a manner conducive to the change that is to be effected. Legends of berserkers donning the skins of wolves and bears hold substantial meaning in view of the importance of costume and ritual. Dressed in the most stereotyped corny manner is the second skin that you wear is a potent element in complete transmorgification. Uh, this is hermetic or sympathetic magic explained, as above, so below. If you wear the mask of a wolf or the skin of a beast, it is preferable if it's not genuine, as you can wear, as you can better infuse a facsimile of the chosen animal with your own personality while drawing from the known attributes of the species represented. The skin or mask will serve as a uh, catalyst, a blueprint for what you will become as you merge with it. Enter the blighted area with eager anticipation. When you approach the spots where you would have previously been the most frightened, allow yourself to revel in the thought of how terrifying it would be to another if they were to feel the same fear you had felt, plus the added terror with an actual manifestation of an unfamiliar and grotesque creature. In short, it is now your role to contribute to the fearsomeness of the place. The stage has been set and all necessary components have been activated. You have experienced intense fear. Now it is your turn to manifest intense fearsomeness in the form of bestiality. Allow yourself to slouch, almost dropping down on all fours at times. Children are quite proficient in this approximation of animals. Remember when? You've also romped on all fours with a dog or a cat, no doubt. Did you ever consider the implications? Sniff the air, savoring it and the smells in the environment in which you stand. If there are trees around, get close to them, touching them, pawing them, climbing and shaking them. Do everything possible to emulate an animal. If you are in a building, urinate against a wall or on the floor. Remember, wild creatures are not housebroken. Snort, snarl, roar, grunt, make all the unsavory sounds you want. 
As you progressively become more imbued with the sensation of being an animal, you will actually feel certain areas of your body responding in a manner alien to the human anatomy. Your legs will become become haunches. Your arms will become forelimbs for claws or paws that crave to grasp at the nearest thing. Your continents will change. Your facial muscles will begin to twitch and bestial grimaces. All of your senses will become more acute. You will feel the need to urinate more frequently. You will become fascinated with the moon, especially if it is full. If you're indoors, you will seek to explore behind things, into cracks below boards. You will feel a desire to sniff, snuffle into closed areas, burrowing your head and body. If you feel sexual desire, become in a rapish manner. And if you should perceive another person who might not normally appear sexually to you, the nature of your transformation will make up for their lack of, for their lacking attributes. The impulse to attack will be present, but your higher mind must refrain, taking over and holding you in your spot while still allowing your sufficient impetus to release yourself. This is the stage of transformation where control is essential. Unless one is a willing partner who can enter the game as a hunted and revel in their roles, if this is the case, then complete sexual assault can be manifested. If not, sufficient restraint to attain sexual release without an attack upon the victim must be exercised. At the moment of orgasm, a complete and uh, irrevocable encompassing of the animal within must occur, with whatever abandon to this level may ensue. It is at this tune that the change will take place. If one should be unfortunate or fortunate enough to witness your metamorphosis, you may be assured that they will never forget it. This entire principle, carried out in a ritualistic exercise between Procrast, Hunter, and Hunted is, of course, the basis of such children's games as hide-and-seek, where one child revels in being frightened while the other delights in terrifying, often with both roles interchanged within a single episode of the game. As children are naturally closer to an animal state, so they are well-qualified to teach us means by which we might bring ourselves closer. It is this transitional nature of children that makes them ideal teachers. Once your transformation has been affected, remember the most profound manifestations can only occur after sufficient buildup. Allow yourself to come down, having retreated if necessary to a place where you can unconcernedly drop to the ground or floor. If you have done your exercise well, you should, upon returning to your normal state, feel the desire to partake in nourishment. The tremendous buildup and discharge of energy in reaching this state will have consumed a vast amount of calories. So the obvious epilogue to your ritual and completion of the animal cycle is to eat your fill and go to sleep nice well done man there is a lot to talk about uh in this here temperament environment preparation and metamorphosis are the four stages so i like the idea that he sets out in temperament um anton levey the author that not everyone can do this like you you have to have a specific mindset just a specific disposition that would even allow you to entertain uh the transformation um do you think that has more to do with imagination than anything else no i think it's about having a a weak ego i've reread this essay uh numerous times because when i was younger i just like what do you mean i have to dress up like an animal like what 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 the fuck are you talking about so (laughs) but rereading it now that i'm older uh, I think the first thing LeBay talks about is only someone who is too scared to sink is incapable of doing this. Mm. And then he draws out that example of Jekyll and Hyde, 
And, um, you know, the, that I love that little line about the best drunk is a rich drunk because there's, they have to be so cautious and so careful to always be pristine, well-mannered versus, uh, Someone with a strong ego isn't afraid to be silly, isn't afraid to make a fool of himself. He's secure in his or herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, you know, Adam, I've seen you make an ass out of yourself all the time. <laughs> you got to be good at something. Right? <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> I, I almost, I genuinely do think that if, if you can't, well, I mean, you're absolutely right. If, if you can't, if you don't have a healthy sense of self, there's no way you're going to be able to, you know, do some of these, uh, you know, really base actions or just see yourself as a creature crawling on all fours and just screwing around. Um, but I, I think he's even speaking to something more here. Uh, if you're not willing to put yourself out there in any type of situation, there's no way, like... There's no way someone who couldn't perform a satanic ritual could do this. I think that's that's a good line to draw. If you think that's silly and sort of ridiculous, a greater magic ritual, this is way out of your league. Because I feel like this is like a next level of, of ritual. And in fact, if I can call this out really quick in the chat room, uh, Mr. Victor Wicked is saying, the rit- this ritual is so delightfully laced with fetish and escapist kink. There, There's something in this. It's not presented as a ritual. But there is very much a ritualistic tone to the entire process. I'm so happy he brought that out. So I thoroughly enjoy BDSM. I have a more BDSM-ish lifestyle uh, in my personal life. And um, there's such a thing as pup play. And when I've engaged in that with people, this person, uh, the pup, totally takes on the attributes of an animal. And it really, the first time I went to a pup romp with a former friend with benefits, he, um, it, it, this essay just kind of popped in my head. I'm like, this is exactly what they're doing. They're running around. I'm playing fetch with people dressed as dogs. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's not a furry thing. Like, they would have masks and they have like a tail sticking out of their ass, which is really just a butt plug. And they would wag it and you'd be like, oh, you're a good boy. Yes. <laughs> But it's very much uh, connecting with this primal, sometimes um, in pup play, very playful, um, but at, at its base, this very primal animalistic state where you can let go of civilization and just be. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm happy he touched on that. It is very kink. Yeah. This little exercise. And well, the, I, the pup play definitely sounds kink. And I don't know, maybe maybe this is kink inherently too, because you're clearly there's sexual tones to this that are you know demanded. Someone as long as they're a consenting partner. Yeah, I've done before. It's very hot. It's called primal play. So next time you out you're out camping with your wife, werewolf transformation. Hell yeah! You just have to ignore the Cub Scouts that are usually in the same areas. Yeah, you should. You should be fun. I'll terrorize their little tent village first, and then I'll go hunt the wife. <laughs> there you go. I, I like I like the plan. Um, let's talk a little bit about environment because, in an increasingly urban world that we live in, I I don't know. Do you, do you think that there is 
a choice of environment for many people or do you like how many people are going to go to just abandoned buildings and not run across someone like how are you going to find seclusion and terror at the same moment if you do live in an urban setting well i live in new york so it's very difficult <laughs> um but generally in this country i don't think it would be all that hard hmm. um, so when i when i when i first bought this book i was a uh, uh in uh, my mid-teens, and I developed this very strong fear of elevators, and I've tried to use this to get over it, and it would work incrementally for a little bit. Um, but it, I think the implication isn't just like this fun exercise of reconnecting with your animal state. You can also use it to turn a place of fear, whatever you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. Everybody is afraid of something, but if your fear is attached to a situation or an environment, become what you're afraid of to conquer that's that. interesting i think that's bringing a whole nother level to this because i think on its face this essay is about exploring the true carnality of man but you're taking it to another level and maybe it's been there all the time and i just haven't recognized it to where it's actually like self-help therapy i feel like that was that was my reading of most satanic rituals was it's all about self-help Right. So I, mean, I can't remember who said it or if it was LeVay himself. Satanism is, you know, it's, it, the Satanic Bible is the best self-help book out there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that was kind of how I looked at ritual to begin with. But that was my first reading of this was, oh, it's about overcoming fearful situations. Because the very first thing is to go somewhere where you feel dread and feel like a victim. Mm -hmm. Feel like a victim, scare yourself, but then go back as something that you feared lurking in the darkness. Gosh, that, it just, it's funny because I, I, I never take it to that place. And so it, this is a very foreign idea to me. So for me, my terror is the unknown. I came up in a very occult background. And so this idea of things lurking in the dark was a real possibility to my young mind. So going into open forests or open mountains and not knowing if, you know, the, the reality of there being a wild animal there or the sort of religious occult terror that was instilled in me as a young man, if there were otherworldly things lurking there, I would just suspend all disbelief and wrap myself in that fright. And I, I vividly remember playing games with, like, you know, we were like seniors in high school. We'd take our girlfriends out to, like, the forest and we would have, like, you know daring test to see who could go for how long into the total darkness of the forest. And it sounds sort of stupid at this point, but in that moment, it was the scariest fucking thing we ever done in our lives. And so just being isolated, that, that was the fear that, that I was experiencing. I never thought of, of wrapping it around fears that you would come across in everyday life. That's a very new idea for me. Well, even with your situation, I mean, that's that's like um, I, I feel is less than an, uh, a psychological thing, more of an instinct thing mm. where, yeah, I mean, you and I are fairly outdoorsy guys and there is nothing more terrifying. There's not a street lamp. You have the moon and the stars and night and darkness is a whole different thing than living in the fucking suburbs. Like people are scared when they leave the street light. You you don't know what night is. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also, I mean, as an adult now, uh, when I go camping, it's also kind of beautiful because the night is brighter 
than in a city. Mm-hmm. Walk in the middle of the woods, and there's still some kind of light there. But darkness takes on a whole new thing. It's black velvet, really, is the name for it. Yeah. Um, when you can't see your hand in front of your face because it's cloudy <laughs> and you don't know where a cliff is and you don't know what the fuck is around the corner or what just made that snap <laughs> sound that you just heard. That's pretty yeah, once, you hear, once you hear the odd noise, you suddenly remember, oh shit, there's animals here that yeah. eat like me and they can see in the dark. You know? <laughs> I'm no longer the top predator. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a terrifying notion. So it's uh, with your fear, it's, I, I think this would apply. And I mean, I don't want to use the word fear because it's a natural response. We don't right. see at night and things hunt us. Mm-hmm. That's not fear. That's instinct. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I should not be wandering in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. But um, it's you could apply this essay to where wouldn't it be interesting if I went out in the middle of the woods dressed as a berserker and I acted like one of those animals who would hunt someone like me. Mm-hmm. And I but I think that would just be a fun exercise in and of itself. But I, th- I, I do think that's the core of what this is, because there's this immediate recognition that you are not the top of the food chain when you are exposed. And whether that exposure is in an environment that you have a phobia of or in an environment where you literally are not the top of the food chain um, is irrelevant to your mind because you're still vulnerable. And I think that's the biggest part of all of this. You have to be able to be absolutely vulnerable. And this speaks to your point of, of having a healthy ego and being able to be honest with yourself earlier. We can fake it when other people are around. You can't fake it when you're looking in the fucking mirror, up your proverbial mirror of your mind in the moment, you know? Like, that's when you need to be honest. I don't care how machismo you are or how secure you pretend to be. You need to become vulnerable within yourself. That's the only place that you're going to be able to be honest with yourself. And that's the only place you're actually going to be able to experience any type of transformation, even if it is this manufactured version of it, or if you find something greater within that transformation. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, this third one in preparation. Uh, For me, I honestly feel like, like dressing up because I, I've always connected with werewolves over vampires since I was a kid. Yeah. I still love Wolfman. It's a like terrible, shitty classic horror film, but I still love it. Um, yeah, I just like the idea that he's just a normal dude and it's the, is the experience that makes him into this terrifying creature. It, it, he didn't. So the idea of prepping for that in my mind takes away from the natural transformations that are inevitably going to occur, you know, ultimately. Well, I, I think he, when LeVay writes, he writes with the beginner in mind hmm. and throughout all his, throughout all his books, it never seemed to be deep occultism because it was going to be mass marketed. Mm-hmm. which is fine. That's great. And then with some of the other essays that have been released from um, High Priest Gilmore and uh, High Priestess Peggy, it, that's where we see a little bit more of deeper LeVay. Or if you read his articles in Cloven Hoof, uh, that's where it's like, okay, Satanists are reading this, and he'll go into a little bit deeper. So I don't really um, mind where it's step by step. Mm. Um, where's it going with that? Just that it oh, was written for... to, uh, connecting to a uh, primal occult. Mm. I was connected with the vampire because I love that um, combination of 
predator carnality with mm-hmm. the gentleman. And to me, that represented the ideal Satanist. Uh, so with, with, uh, with the preparation, if someone needs that, well, no, even that, it's kind of like, okay, so let me, let me back up a minute. Mm-hmm. And, um, when, when you're getting ready to do a ritual, you set the altar, you kind of switch head spaces. I would view the environment section as kind of like that, finding the situation that scares you, preparing for it. But most of that section seems to be just comparing it to a child's game of hide and seek to kind of, um, to, to kind of outline why you need to do this or some to tie it into something that's familiar to everybody. We all played hide and seek. Right, right. So. I do like I like that idea as well because the reality of it is you need to you need to dress the role that you're playing. So if you're going into a professional office, you need to dress like you're going in a professional office. If you're going to play horror, <laughs> uh, you got to dress appropriately. So that that I, I I get that I understand that. It just it's a, it's a mental thing in my head. Like if I'm going to turn into a werewolf. I want to start normal. I want to end werewolf. I don't want to start looking werewolf and then end werewolf, you know? And, and to your point, the vampire, um, this is something that I've learned to appreciate about vampires, uh, not just the the carnal hunter, you know, in the truest defi- form, form of definition there, uh, but the fact that they're able at will to turn into these creatures. They have this mastery of control over the experience that werewolves don't have. Um, I find an interest, like I, that's like this, this sort of the highest version of carnality is having absolute control over it. Um, so I can appreciate that as well. Not to mention like, depending on the, the movie or the book you're reading, they can turn into fucking wolves too. So true. Yeah. <laughs> it just totally just but- depends. With, with your werewolf thing, if uh, you wanted to try it, my suggestion would be to wear clothing that you can tear. So, like, maybe right. freak it at certain scenes. Take a walk in the woods on a full... Um, yeah, Hulk Hogan that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really hot. So, <laughs> really hot, not going to lie. So, what I would do if I had this um, penchant for werewolf mythology... And I wanted to act out this kind of scene is, okay, I would take a shirt and pants that I don't give two shits about. I would cut them at seams mm-hmm. that tie in others. That way it makes it easier to tear. And even if I can't tear it all the way off, I can rip the shit out of it. And I would go out right before the sun sets on a full moon. And then as soon as the sun sets, and I look up, that would be kind of like the nine bells ring. Mm-hmm bell signal when you're supposed to be transitioning from atheism into i mean the way i think about ritual is when i walk into my ritual chamber it's very much like i've left this reality and now i'm in this one Mm -hmm. so i would kind of treat it the same way where once i see the moon it would be the equivalent of nine bells ringing and there i'm transforming i switch head spaces and just rip it and like growl and jack off whatever yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I had a buddy who um, was. Uh, I'm getting like tons of feedback. In my, I hope people, I'm getting tons of feedback. I'm hoping people can hear me. Um, I uh, I had a buddy who read this who never identified as a Satanist, but he was curious about this whole werewolf transformation experience, and so he went out in the, like an open field and uh, went through some of these steps. And he said it was one of the most powerful experiences he's ever had. Uh, so this is 
again, there is something so intimate about it. You know, in a ritual, uh, to your point, you're walking into this other dimension. You're, you're entering uh, suspension of disbelief. Absolutely. You, you cannot have an analytical conscious mind in the, the ritual chamber. And exactly the same, if you're going to be trying to experience this, you have to be able to just divorce yourself of reality and focus on who you are in this moment and the experiences that you're, you're having both mentally and physically in this moment obsessing over them so much that there's nothing else there except for your true carnality to someone outside of satanism i think that's a really strange idea unless you're a child in in the doctor points that out in here which i thought was a brilliant touch because that's mm -hmm. easy for kids but adults we lose magic we we lose our our connection to playful things i think maybe it's almost incredibly important to regularly try to and and you know we can do this through film or, or music or video games at times but divorce oh. yourself from reality i think it's important i completely agree with you um the guy i'm seeing now is very like which is a lifestyle and I, I forgot that how much i had lost touch with you know magic in the every day and it's um it's nice to to uh, put fantasy back in everyday life, mm. you know? yeah, <laughs> to you know, I, I feel like that um, the kid again, where I had this corner in my bedroom, and I would have action figures, and I would act things out, but I would treat it like it's the real world, and I would, you know, that's how I got into writing fiction and all that. So it's nice to have that again, and I think this exercise is something that can, if you feel like you've lost touch with that uh, childlike magic in your everyday life then this could be a great first step. I actually, now, now that I'm planning camping trips this summer, I want to, now I kind of want to do this. <laughs> I want to go camping with you, man. We could like do a pack scenario. I think that'd be badass. Yeah, but you know where my hunt is going to end. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Not necessarily with you, but... <laughs> I'll bring some just-in-case lube. <laughs> That'll be my... Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to run around with a pre-lube dick or it's going to be like, joking for everybody. It was like, it fucking chafes, man. I can't suspend that disbelief. Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a little bi, so we can just like hunt a woman together. So, you know, it'd be yeah. fun. They got three holes. Shut up! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, as far, I, fuck, I just closed the last damn one. It was, um, metamorphosis so the actual transformation i think is uh really important uh you have to be able to feel yourself change and i'm always sort of called back to films where actors and actresses perform like physical alterations to their bodies whether through diet um uh, contortion or um uh, just makeup or effects in order to become their characters. You have to be able to do that as a person within yourself too. So in the same way that you're dressing the part, I think it's important to take into consideration the realities, especially if, if it's just you, well then you, you don't really see what you look like. So it's not as important, but if it, if you do have a willing participant, as is noted in this last section, that you're going to be sort of ravishing, whether sexually or, or physically, um, I think it is important that they can buy into that scenario too. So 
you know, maybe you do don some gloves or a mask in that in that moment so that there is that forever sense. Because I don't know about you, but you get a sense of being a different person much easier behind a physical mask, uh, at least for me, than any other time. Like, it's just the easiest thing, you know? I think anything that grants an individual anonymity, mm. they go parts of themselves that they keep in check or hide away or just didn't know was there. Um, so how, how do I put this? So depending on the type of transformation you want to take, I would say costuming is extremely important and for the same reason it's important when you go to the altar and you speak to Satan. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's not about what, it's less about what you look like and more about do you feel in character? Do you feel right? It doesn't matter if you're wearing a werewolf mask from Party City. Does it feel right to you? Right. So I do my rituals naked unless it's a specific sort of ritual where if I'm doing a curse, I'm not going to do it naked. I want to feel menacing. So I have very particular aesthetic when I, right. when I curse. And, um, but other than that, it's I do most of my rituals skyclad. I do it nude because it just feels more witchy to me. Mm -hmm. Best way to put it. So I like it. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, I wouldn't say don't obsess about, so I would agree with you to a point where don't obsess about is every thing in place. Don't examine yourself in a mirror. It's if you want to do the whole animal werewolf thing, do you feel like one, like not, nothing wrong with looking in the mirror and making sure that like, you know, you're wearing a mask is important. Is it on? Right. Right. <laughs> That's fine, but don't obsess about it where you have to look like um, Gary Oldman in the mid-90s Dracula. Like, yeah. he's in Hollywood. You don't have to look like him. Right, right, right. That was hot, but... <laughs> Good-looking man. Um, no, I mean, it was hot watching a werewolf you know, fuck a girl. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> um, I... And again, it doesn't have to be so overt as like grabbing a mask and trying to squeeze it on your head or anything. <clears throat> like you can like just grab the earth and rub it across your eyes and down your cheeks so that you have that gaunt appearance. And you know, it, it could be as, as much as like grabbing some berries off of a wild bush, environmental dependent, um, or some paint off of a you know a wall that you set up and staged earlier on to like you know wipe across your face as you know this menacing blood mark from a previous victim whatever the the most basic steps are that don't take away from the experience in order to add to the experience i think it's important um just the way that i see it and i love the point that you brought up earlier about pre-scoring clothes it seems or just being prepared to to rip it off because that's part of that transformation process is really just buying into it now, even yeah. as, as though this essay is, is seemingly entirely wrapped around the idea of orgasming, <laughs> I like the idea of like, and this may be telling. <laughs> Let me preface this by uh, saying I'm not a maniac. Um, I like the idea of brutally murdering someone that crosses my territory. Like unapologetically just ravishing their body and tearing ribs. And when I watched Temple of Doom... And that priest fucking rips his you hand. You're a nerd. <laughs> I 
was hard and I was excited and I didn't care because that was fucking awesome. I wanted to do that so goddamn bad. And so I've always had this sort of like physical pain infliction fetish, I guess you could call it. I just wanted to do it so desperately badly. That would be mine. Like more than just jerking off. Like I, I want to, and it could be, you know, in the moment, in the same way that this, of course, we don't want people to fucking rape people. We don't want people to actually murder people. But if you stage it, it's enough for your your uh, subconscious mind to buy into it. Like, yeah, that's what I want. If I were in your situation, I wanted to express that. Mm. So, uh, for example, the, I, I'm very action-oriented and ritual. Words are not enough. I need action. Um, so when I do curses, there is almost always an effigy. Like I need to do shit to him. Like I, I gotta, I gotta beat the fuck out of this guy, or girl, or whomever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so if I were in your situation and I wanted to do this, and you and I have that in common where we're uh, physically oriented, we want to inflict upon whatever. Um, I'd probably get a mannequin and hollow it out and leave it somewhere Ooh. and hunt it down. Yeah. Because out, their shell is thin, and you mm-hmm. can. Well, let me make sure I'm on camera here, yeah. and just punch in, reach out, and fill it with some gooey shit. Oh fuck, that'd be badass! So you can even eat it, and then uh, run around the woods with your face covered in gore. Ah, that would be badass! See, yeah, we do need to go camping together. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's this is gonna be fun. We have to bring like extra bags just for fucking effects and shit. Why are you hiking with a mannequin? Shut up! <laughs> Don't look at me! <laughs> I watched Archer one too many times. There we go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's <little> right. <laughs> Damn it. Um, There's nothing wrong with being simple. I think uh, um, I think whatever path they're in, whether Satanist or uh, another path of occultism, they, especially beginners, get lost in this kind of I have to be ornate. I have to be precise. Like, no, it's yeah. it's magic. Get a little sloppy. You may find something new that no one ever thought of. Mm. Um, and the environment itself, you know, to our points brought up earlier and, and stuff, use the environment to your advantage. You shouldn't have to cart in bags of fucking prop shit. Like, right. this should be very stripped down and, like, talk, think B-movie at best and raw kids with a video camera at worst when it comes to effects like don't worry about it just have fun whatever it means to for you to get in that moment you know even even Levi said you, you, you don't need jack shit that he said in the book of Belial or Leviathan exactly that you just need your will yeah. will yeah. and a good imagination that's it yeah all right. Well, this is already one of the longest uh, essay reading and discussions we've had. I think it's been very valuable and worthwhile. But I have one last question. I already suspect I know the answer, but I want to ask it for the benefit of everyone watching anyway. I want to ask, what if you want to perform a hate crime in this moment? What if you want to uh, do something so vile that it's not something as simple as murdering someone. And this is going to be taken out of context. I know it. Simple as murdering or raping someone. You want to do something that is like inherently evil and just fucking. And those are bad. Whatever. Shut up. Just for the moment, go with me. Just fucking wicked. Um, do you think political correctness has a role in ritual? No. I knew. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think yeah. it's important that people understand this because we, if there is ever a place for um, stripping away the confines of reality, this is the place. Do you think there's anything that's taboo in the, ch in the chamber at all? And not necessarily in the chamber, but in this transformation process as well. I have this, I have... Cannibalism, Norman Bloke says. I have one very clear personal ethic for myself, whether it's sexually or in magic. And it's just consent. Hmm. As long as someone consented to it and they are able to consent to it, children, animals, people in coma, people who are um, sufficiently mentally incapacitated or physically incapacitated are incapable of consent. Yep. As long as it's consented to, no one can say jack shit. It doesn't matter their own moral um, perspective. So I have plenty of taboo interests that uh, socially and even my political beliefs would frown upon that. That's okay because I'm not, I know the time and the place to entertain these things that I like. I do them with consenting partners. Mm -hmm. Everything is fine. It's safe. It's healthy. But you just got to know, got to know your audience. Yeah. So if you're fond of doing something that actually, here's a great example and something that I'm not into uh, age play. Some people get very interested in this daddy mommy situation with right. another adult behaving like they're a six year old. Right, right, right. Does that mean you're promoting pedophilia? Absolutely not. <laughs> they're adults. Mm -hmm. Like to pretend that they're babies. Right. They, you know, it could be two different races, which means they're obviously not related. Mm -hmm. Everything's okay. <laughs> but it's a very taboo subject. Yeah. Yep. And of course it is. I mean, someone's pretending to be a baby and you're having sex with someone who's pretending to be a baby. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, would, that makes me a little uncomfortable. So, <laughs> yeah, but there is a world of difference from that and actually, you know, so I but think also pretend to sacrifice people to the devil. So, right. 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 <laughs> and it's interesting because we mentally draw these lines, you know, we, we have these arbitrary lines and no one is suggesting anyone do anything, but whatever is right for you, again, consenting adults, no fucking animals. And you're pretty much good to go. And, you know, just even in the essay, when you're at your most carnal and bestial, there's an addendum. Yes. Do <laughs> be an accepting adult. You <laughs> may be running around Central Park with a heart on. That does not mean that the woman or the man or whomever um, you came across consented to your virile, mm. hopefully very large penis. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Darren yeah. and Ethel saw it. Wait, what? <laughs> you didn't tell you? Yeah. <laughs> so they're getting a call from me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> we'll talk offline. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's it for this <laughs> satanic essay reading and discussion, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in live. Uh, this is what uh, patrons get uh, twice a month 
not this specific thing, but just the 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 wrapping of a satanic essay reading and discussion. Um, I'm either by myself or with a friend, and we just riff on Satanism and the essay and dive as deep as we want to go, and then we're done. So they usually last around a half an hour, and we have fun. That's it. So it's about it's about study, not worship, in a safe environment where everything is cushiony and pillowy and snowflakey. I don't know what that means. All right, people. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in live. And uh, if you're not a patron and you're interested in it, check out reverendcampbell.com slash patrons. If you are a patron, you fucking rock. Thank you so much. And everyone else, hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs>